Today I was going to, uh, it was going to be a little bit different this morning, and then the snow had other ideas. I was going to share with our faith family a little bit about what God is doing in the life of our church. I was going to call it Vision Sunday about uh, things that God's done in 2017 that we should uh, be really excited and celebrate about, and then some things coming in 2018. Well, because of the weather, I uh, decided to postpone that one week, and so we'll have that next Sunday. Also next Sunday, next Sunday is going to be a great Sunday. I hope you'll be here. Uh, we'll have our Vision Sunday, but we'll also have a baby dedication with Charlie Hubin. So that'll be a lot of fun, and we're just going to have a great time together uh, next week. And so I encourage you to be back uh, next week. Uh, but one thing that we are going to, again, emphasize is that community group and the community group idea. And there's three options there for you on Sunday night, Wednesday nights, and Thursday nights. So I encourage you to be a part of one. You can sign up, place that in the offering plate. But you might be asking, I'll explain more of this next week, but just to begin getting this in front of ourselves. A community group is a gathering of 3 to 12 people. We're going to meet together to learn to, learn to love God and love people. And most groups will meet uh, weekly for one to two hours in in homes, and all are welcome. So I encourage you to be a part of that, uh, where just really each community group will run for 12 weeks. So it's just a 12-week commitment. That's all we're asking, uh, plus $19.99 in shipping and handling. And uh, so we're just asking for 12 weeks, and uh, you can be a part of that, and you'll really enjoy your time together. And then we'll have a month off, and then you can join another community group. If you just really don't like it, especially mine, if you don't really like it, you can, that's all right. It's not going to hurt my feelings. You can go find another one. And uh, so we'll have a month off, and then we'll start back into 12 weeks. So really, when you commit to be a part of a community group, we're just looking for a 12-week commitment. That's it. And I know it'll be a huge blessing to uh, you. You will not be sad that you did that. So I encourage you to go deeper in the Word, in your faith, in your life, through community groups. So if you have a Bible this morning, turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been seeing different phrases and, and descriptions of Jesus giving of himself. We've been seeing I am statements. We saw a couple of weeks ago Jesus making the statement that I am the bread of life. He had fed the, the, the 5,000. Actually, there was more than 5,000 there, but he fed the 5,000 and he, he explained it. I am the bread of life. I am the bread that gives you life, that gives you sustenance, that, gives you, that helps you sustain yourself, that keeps you alive. Then he told the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, he said, I am the living water. Drink from me and you'll never be thirsty again. Last week, we saw another phrase. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I remove the darkness and the chaos in your life if you believe in me. Last week, we saw that Jesus uh, before him was brought an adulterous woman, a woman caught in sexual sin. And she was brought before uh, Jesus and the religious leaders. And the religious leaders, we're seeing this back and forth now between Jesus and the Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus uh, is, is really upsetting the apple cart with them. He is, he is blowing apart and exposing their religious cartel and they're exposing them for who they really are and they don't like it. So the, over the last couple of weeks we've been seeing that they're plotting to kill him. And so these religious leaders who the law of Moses was really, really important to 
and keeping those rules, they brought this adulterous woman in front of Jesus to see if he would say something that they could accuse him, arrest him, and kill him. And the law of Moses said, if you were caught in adultery, you had to be stoned, you'd be killed. Well, Jesus, in verse 7 of John chapter 8, asked a terrific question, well, made a statement, not a question, but a statement. He said, the one without sin should be the first to throw a stone at her. So Jesus immediately exposes these religious gurus, these people who had devoted their lives to religion, to the sinful people that they really were. And we saw how every one of us are in that same boat, that we are sinful, we are depraved. No matter how religious we can possibly be, religion does not save us. Only Jesus can. And then Jesus pulls her aside and Jesus said, now where are they? Where are the ones who condemn you? And she said, they're not here. There's no one, Lord. He says, neither do I condemn you. And we alluded, paralleled over to Romans chapter 8, verse 1, where the Apostle Paul writes that there is therefore now no condemnation. There's no judgment for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he says, neither do I condemn you. But she sends her out. He says, go And from now on, do not sin anymore. So she had that freedom from sin. We saw that as believers in Jesus Christ, if you and I are believers in Jesus Christ, there's freedom from sin, that we don't have to sin anymore. And then that's when Jesus made the statement, I am the light of the world. Well, now here in John chapter 8, Jesus is going to predict his departure. He's going to begin alluding to the fact that I'm not going to be here forever. I'm going to leave. So that's where we're going to start. So let's look at John chapter 8. We're going to start looking at verses 21 through 24. Let's read that. It says this. And he said to them again, I'm going away. You will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said again, he won't kill himself, will he? Since he says where I'm going, you cannot come. You are from below, he told them. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I told you that you will die in your sins. For if you did not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Who are you, they question. Exactly what I've been telling you from the very beginning, Jesus told them. I have many things to say and to judge about you, but the one who sent me is true, and what I've heard from him, these things I tell the world. All right, so there's some confusing statements here from Jesus, so let's begin unpacking this. Uh, 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 Let's begin unpacking this. Jesus says, I'm going away. You will look for me. All right, so Jesus is again saying, I'm going away. And you're going to look for me. Now, is Jesus talking about, I'm going to be a fugitive? I'm going to go into hiding? Is that what Jesus is talking about? No, he's alluding to the fact that after his death and his resurrection, he's going to send up into heaven, and they will look for him but not be able to find them. And then he says, you will die in your sin. Now, we're going to come back to that phrase, and I encourage you, if you're sharing the gospel with coworkers, families, and neighbors, that may not be a phrase you want to use, that you're going to die in your sin. Maybe you want to. Let me know how it goes for you. But Jesus uses that phrase. Jesus is cutting the chase. We'll get back to that here in just a second. But he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. Jesus is talking about his ascension into heaven. 
But then it says the Jews. Now again, we've said this a few times. When you read here in John the Jews, don't think of the nationality, the Jewish people, the people from Israel. That's not what he's talking about. The Jews there means the religious leaders. So the religious leaders start talking amongst themselves. And the Jews said to each other, he won't kill himself, will he? Right? Now they're afraid of this. Why? Because they want to kill him. All right? And they don't want Jesus to commit suicide because then Jesus could become a martyr. He could become a hero through suicide. And so they were concerned about this. And then Jesus says again, where I'm going, you, can't from, you cannot come. You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I told you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So Jesus is saying, again, you're getting caught, caught up in the here and now. You see, Jesus has an eternal perspective, and all that he's doing, it's more than just the here and now. He has a completely different perspective than these religious leaders have. And you would think, you would think, but it's not true, you would think these religious leaders would have the same spiritual perspective as, as Jesus, right? Because these Pharisees and Sadducees, they have devoted, they had devoted their entire lives to the study of the law of Moses. The Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I mean, can you imagine devoting your life to studying Leviticus, right? I'm sure really exciting people to be around. And they, they studied their Bible. They studied the law of Moses. They knew it inside and out, and they were trying to keep the law of Moses to make God happy, but all they, they missed it. They missed the spiritual. And Jesus tells them, he says, you are of this world. I am not of this world. So there's a difference here. Jesus is beginning to point them to who his true identity is. Now, a statement of you are of this world, I am not of this world, that would have been confusing to them, right? They didn't fully understand who they were, or I think some of them understood who he was, but was in denial about who Jesus was. Jesus says, I am, you are of this world, I am not of this world. So Jesus says, yes, Jesus was human. Jesus was a human being, but he's more than a human being. He's not of this world. There's something supernatural about him. This is a claim to his deity. Jesus is saying, I'm not of this world. I am a deity. So here we see that Jesus was, yes, a human being, but he's also God. And we're going to see how that worked. Then Jesus goes on to say, if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So Jesus is making all of these statements. You're of this world. I'm not. Believe in me or you'll die in your sins. And so they ask the question, who are you? This was more of a question or a question of rather who he was, but more of what gives you the right to say these things. What gives you the right to say these things? And then Jesus answers the question here in verse 25. So go back to that. They say, who are you? All right, that'd be like someone saying that um, you look ridiculous this morning. You're not dressing well. You'd say, who are you? What gives you the right? Now, everyone else here probably has the right to criticize my uh, dress, but we'd ask that question, who are you? What gives you the right to say that? And that's basically what Jesus, that's what they're saying here. And Jesus is going to say, okay, here's the authority I have. This is the authority I have to say these things. He says, exactly what I've been telling you from the beginning. Jesus says, have you not been listening? 
to what I've been saying. This is exactly what I've been telling you. And he says, I have many things to say and to judge about you. So Jesus says, let me cut to the chase. But the one, middle of verse 26, the one who has sent me is true. Circle that word true. We're going to come back to that here in a second. The one who sent me is true. And what I have heard from him, these things I tell the world. So Jesus is saying the one who has sent him, now you and I, we have 20-20 vision. We have, the, we have the benefit of being 2,000 years on the other side of history for this. So we know who he's talking about. They're not sure yet. And Jesus says, the one who sent me is true. See, these religious leaders, these people were on a quest for truth. We've said that a few different times throughout our time here in the Gospel of John, that if we're honest, every one of us as human beings, we're on a quest for truth. We're searching truth out. We want to know truth. You wouldn't be here on a Sunday morning, I hope, just for the sake of entertainment, coming through the snow and the cold. But no, you are on a quest for truth. I'm on a quest for truth. Now, what bases our knowledge and worldview is where we get that source of truth. And the reality is, though our culture is beginning to say more and more that we are the source of truth, truth is whatever you want to make it out to be, well, that's not fair, right? We can't be the source of truth. I can't be the source of truth because I have all kinds of biases. I have, I'm not perfect. I'm not all-knowing, so I wouldn't be the best source of truth. You wouldn't be the best source of truth. So there has to be a source of truth. And Jesus is telling them, the one who sent me is a source of all truth. He's all-knowing. And what I have heard from him, these things I tell the world. So Jesus is saying, I am here to communicate truth from the one who sent me. Now, let's not give it away, but who's he talking about? All right, let's keep going. Verse 27. They did not know he was speaking to them about the Father. No idea. They missed it. Here are these religious leaders who knew the law of Moses forwards and backwards. They did not know who the Father was. They missed it. And Jesus is alluding to God the Father... That God the Father, God himself, the creator of the universe, has sent him. Let's keep going. Verse 28. So Jesus said to them. Now, this is a big key phrase there because Jesus knows what they're thinking. So John here is already, is, is again, alluding and, and touching on the deity of Jesus. Only a deity, only God would know what they're thinking. Only God would know that they did not know that he was talking about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own. But just as the Father taught me, I say these things. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, because I always do what pleases Him. So right here we see a beautiful picture of what we call the doctrine of the Trinity. So let's unpack this for just a moment. Jesus says, when you lift up the Son of Man, 
that phrase there, what do you think he's talking about? You remember what we talked about a couple of months ago in John chapter 3, when Jesus was meeting with Nicodemus? And Jesus said, just as the Son of Man must be lifted up, like Moses lifted the snake up in the wilderness. You remember that? I know that was a long time ago. So Jesus comes back around to that phrase, when you lift up the Son of Man. What is Jesus talking about there? He's talking about his crucifixion. He's saying, when you lift me up, when you crucify me, when you crucify the Son of Man, the Son of God, then you will know that I am He, that I am the Messiah, I am the Christ. Remember, these students, these scholars of the law of Moses, they were awaiting the Messiah. And Jesus is saying, I'm him, and you're going to lift me up. And then he says, now that I do nothing on my own, but just as the Father taught me, I say these things. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, because I always do what pleases him. So now all of a sudden we have Jesus, a human being, saying there's a partnership here, but it's more than a partnership, it's an identity with God the Father. Jesus is saying, I don't do anything on my own. I don't do anything on my own. I don't operate on my own. Just as we saw a few, again, alluding back to what we saw a few weeks ago, Jesus said, I can't do anything that the Father doesn't allow me to do, and the Father doesn't do anything that I do. And so there's a partnership, there's an equality there. But just as the Father taught me, I say these things. The one who sent me is with me. So there's a partnership between God the Father and God the Son. So we see the humanity of Christ, we see the deity of Christ, and then Jesus is answering the original question back up in verse 25. Who are you? What gives you the right to say this? Jesus is saying, God the Father gives me the right to say this. But then he also, it's more than just some God sent one of his kids down to this earth. Like it could be easy for us to think like that. That, well, God sent one of his kids. No, he says... But just as the Father taught me, I say these things. See, there was a key thing here in this culture. If you were a rabbi and a teacher like one of these Pharisees and Sadducees, who taught you was a really big deal. So if you were a rabbi in these days, you wouldn't have gone to some rabbinical center of higher learning and you would have learned from probably some famous rabbi. So if you are a rabbi, it was really important to who did you study under, okay? Who did you do your, in medical terms, who did you do your residency under? And so Jesus is saying, the Father taught me. I say these things. So there's a partnership and equality. So Jesus is not only saying, who, who are you? Answering the question, who are you? What gives you the authority to say this? He says, God the Father. But Jesus now is saying, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. Jesus is then saying back in verse 25, I am he. I am the Messiah. I am God. So of my own authority as God the creator of this universe, I can say these things. 
I can say these things. Hold your finger here in John 8. Go back to John 1. Okay, this is all tied together what we've been studying together on Sunday mornings. Go back to John 1 and look at verse 1. Okay, again, remember, John was kind of giving us a Google Earth view of the Gospel of John. And he says here in John 1, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word, and we obviously diagnosed this and found out that this is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him not one thing was created that had been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. So back here in John chapter 8, Jesus says, I'm he. I am God. Now, what was their response to him? Many of us here, and I don't want to give too much of a spoiler alert, but they were going to crucify him. They were going to kill him for these sayings and these comments and these claims. But look at verse 30. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Now, did it mean that they just believed in that he existed? No. They were believing in his claims, and the claim that I am God, I'm the source of all truth. Now, who was it that believed in him? Was it the, the regular people like you and I? Was it the religious leaders? Well, let's keep going. Let's see, who was it that believed in him? Verse 31. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, who was the Jews? Remember, we just talked about this about five minutes ago. Who was, who, who was the Jews? Who was the Jews? Talk to me. There's not a big group tonight, today. No, no. What's that? Yeah, the leaders. Religious leaders, okay? So, the religious leaders. So, it says, verse 31, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. So, who was it that's believing in him? The religious leaders. Some of them, not all of them, as we know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say. Who was it that was believing in him? The Jews, the religious leaders. And so, then Jesus, it's almost like he pulls these religious leaders aside. The ones who had believed in him, okay? I'm sure Jesus had a come forward invitation, and they sang 15 verses of Just As I Am. And at the end, he pulled them all aside, right? He pulls them aside and he says, if you continue in my word, continue in what I told you, you really are my disciples. And then he said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So Jesus is telling these guys, for the first time they've believed in him, and he says, this truth that you've come to realize sets you free. Does that ring a bell to what the adulterous woman was told last week? Jesus told her, go and sin no more. There's freedom from sin. And Jesus says, this truth, the truth of who I am, sets you free. There's freedom from your sin. And one thing that I think the, the, the church, not all churches, but I think the church in general, especially our flavor of the church, 
has done a poor job of is emphasizing the freedom that is in Christ. Right? We as Baptists have traditionally, and I don't like the name Baptist, but that's a conversation for another time. We've done a poor job of emphasizing, emphasizing the freedom that there is in Christ. I've shared with some of you some of my church background. I was raised in a church and a youth group that taught that you did not watch R-rated movies, you didn't uh, listen to rock music, you didn't watch bad TV shows like The Simpsons and those kinds of things, Uh, you didn't smoke, you didn't drink, you didn't have sex. That was it. And if you did that, if you did not do those things, then you made God happy. All right? Well, try to tell a 16-year-old kid not to do that, and what are they going to do? They're going to probably get really good at doing those things and hiding them. There was not that freedom in Christ. Now, that's, you're saying, oh, Adam, there's freedom in Christ, so I can do whatever I want to do, live how I want to live. No, that's not what I'm saying. Don't hear me wrong. But the, the life of Christ, the, the life of following Christ, a Christian, is not a life of following rules. It's not. Okay? Because here Jesus is talking to the rule followers of the rule followers, the religious leaders. So Jesus is not saying, because you know the law of Moses so well, that will set you free. No, actually the law was constraining and robbed of joy. Jesus is saying, no, the truth, the truth about what? Of who I am will set you free. That freedom from sin. Again, back to that reality of we don't have to sin. We don't have to sin. So instead of communicating to people what they can't do, we need to begin communicating to people who Jesus is and who they are because of him. And because of who Jesus is, then everything else trickles down in how we live. Does that make sense? So Jesus saying the truth about who I am, it will set you free. There is freedom from sin. And we are free. Now let's, let's go on a little bit further and then we're going to stop. Verse 33, we are descendants of Abraham. Boy, they loved their family tree, didn't they? Their genealogy. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him. We have never been enslaved by anyone. You big fools, didn't you ever read Exodus? We've never been enslaved by anyone. Who in the world was Moses then? That's what I want to say when I read that. We have never been enslaved to anyone. And they're under the Roman Empire. So these people can't quite understand this. He says, how can you say you will be free? Jesus responded, truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. I know you are descendants of Abraham, but you're trying to kill me because my word has no place among you. I speak what I have seen in the presence of the Father so then you do what you have heard from your father. I love that phrase. So if the son, verse 36, so if the son sets you free, you really will be free. A slave, verse 35, a little further up, a slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son remains forever. So Jesus says, saying, this truth of who I am, yes, it gives you freedom, but it changes your identity. You go from being a slave to sin to a son of God. So from a slave to a son. Wow. 
So if you are here this morning and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are not a slave to sin. We don't have to sin. Because our identity is not that of a slave to sin, but a son to God. That relationship, the relationship has changed. You might be here and you say, Adam, we're the churchgoers of the churchgoers. That's true. I get it. But have you ever truly believed in Jesus Christ? To where you've experienced that freedom. To where that relationship, your standing, your identity has gone from a slave to sin to a son or daughter of God. And we have that because verse 30 Many believed in him. It's belief in Jesus Christ. Not in what, not in that his existence or that he was a good teacher, but no, in who he is as God and the source of truth. And that truth sets us free. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for your word, and we thank you that it changes us. We thank you for this spiritual reality of us not needing to be slaves to sin, but we are actually sons and daughters of God if we believe in Christ. So, Father, I pray two things. I pray first of if there's anyone here that has never truly believed, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would open their eyes, draw them to yourself, that they wouldn't trust in anything else for their salvation, and you would cause them to believe in Jesus Christ. Then I pray for those of us who are believers. Help us to understand more and more of who our identity is, who we are, That we are not slaves, but we are children of God if we've believed in Christ. I pray in these next few moments that you would cause that reality to sink deeper and deeper into our hearts and lives. Forgive us for looking to other things for satisfaction and fulfillment in our lives other than you. Give us a hunger and a desire for you like never before. And it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.